This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Jimmy Smith here still holding things down on the Luke Thomas Show. Today on the podcast, I'll recap the latest chapter in the Joe Rogan, Stephen A. Smith saga, examine Ronda Rousey's comments on her fighting future, and I'll talk to Stanley Nelson, who directed the new ESPN 30 for 30 on Michael Vick. It's a can't-miss edition of the Luke Thomas Show podcast. So the Stephen A. Smith-Joe Rogan uh, conflict, controversy, discussion, what would be your word, Mike? Uh, Feels like a a, more of a debate, I think. Debate. Yes, yes, it is. But the thing about a debate is they're in front of one another going back and forth. It's it's one of those weird things about social media now is that they kind of send volleys back and forth, right? They don't sit in front of one another and kind of hash it out in a debate manner. Uh, so it's it's weird, isn't it? Like it's it's like I launch and then I respond to this and you respond to that, and so it it, it drags out a lot. It dra- the only reason I wouldn't call it a debate is. They're not really counting one another's arguments that much. Um, it's pretty much a matter of opinion and credentials, which is just, I think the crux of the argument is credentials. Uh, not so much what Stephen A. said as whether or not he is the person to say that. But if you haven't been following this, essentially what happened, I think everybody in MMA has been following it at least a little bit. But Stephen A. Smith said that Cowboy Cerrone post his fight with Conor McGregor that he gave up. Uh, that's kind of the crux of the argument. It wasn't that, you know, he didn't fight a great fight or anything like that. I think any reasonably intelligent person could say Cowboy didn't fight a great fight. I think McGregor did fight a great fight, but Cowboy didn't offer a lot of resistance. But the line Stephen A. Smith crossed, it's pissed a lot of people off, myself included, is he said he gave up, which is a character judgment about Cowboy Cerrone that I don't think Stephen A. Smith, as a broadcaster, has the experience to say. So, uh, Joe Rogan fired back. Here it is. I'm looking at uh, MMAfighting.com. Anyway, so this is what Rogan had to say. I was upset. This is a quote. I was upset at Stephen A. Smith, and he made a video responding to me. This is on his podcast. Stephen A. Smith, I guess I should respond. You're a very entertaining guy. I like you a lot. I appreciate the props you gave me in that video, but you're wrong. Cowboy got effed up with those shoulders in the clinch. He had Connor's arms tied up, and they're in close spaces. Connor dips low and slams the bottom of his shoulder into his nose. As in, it was more McGregor had a great fight than Cowboy had a bad fight, or that 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 Cowboy gave up. Um, that's that that's the center of the whole controversy to me. Is not, you know. I had said, I was very vocal about Cowboy has trouble underperforming in big fights, not pulling the trigger when he should, when it seems like it's a big opponent, a big stage, big pay-per-view, title implications, kind of that, that back and forth, that, 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 that one that really moves your career forward, right? The one that stays in the same place, Cowboy always performs well in those. It's when it's, this is the big one, buddy. This is the big one. He tends to underperform. Now, is that the same as quitting? And I've been on record saying quitting and choking are two different things. They are. 
Okay. So, we're we're ready with the audio has switched over, my friend Mike. Yep, we're all set. We're good. See, see how nice I am. Luke would have just started yelling about that, probably just screaming and going off. I'm not probably that guy. True. I'm just letting you know I'm not that guy. So let's hear from uh, clip number one about him being entertaining but wrong. Let's hear it. Stephen A. Smith. I guess I should respond, right? Uh, you're a very entertaining guy. I like you a lot, uh, and uh, I appreciate the props you gave me in that video. But you're wrong. Yeah. Cowboy got Cowboy got f***ed up with those shoulders in the clinch. He had Connor's arms tied up, and they're in tight spaces. Connor dips low and slams this bone of his shoulder into the nose. I see that. It's a good description of what happened. An unorthodox strike from an unorthodox position. Now, Cowboy's history. Now, it's a double-sided history. I'll be the first one to say that. All his accolades, tough guy, most finishes, most wins, all these things, they're all true. But it seems like a different guy in certain fights. But he talks about the legacy of Cowboy. And Stephen A. Smith saying what he said about someone with Cowboy's legacy upsets a lot of people. Clip number three, let's hear it. It's also who you're talking about. You're talking about a guy who has the most fights in the UFC, the most finishes in the UFC, the most head kick knockouts in the UFC, the the most bonuses in the UFC. Cowboy is a f***ing legend. He is a t- as tough as they come. He's lost before. Every human can lose, yeah. especially you're fighting guys like Darren Till and Jorge right. Masvidal right. and, and these f***ing animals that he's fighting. He's fighting the cream of the crop or Connor. And Connor broke it, literally broke his face. He broke his nose and yeah. he broke his orbital bone. So Stephen A. Smith responded and then Connor responded. And yeah, Connor, yeah, I've seen that. Connor told him to apologize. Yeah. And, and Connor's right. Um, here's the issue, and I just I just talked about it a bit. Where <sighs> legacies are complicated things; they always are. People kind of want one legacy about things, where it's um, oh, this guy's the greatest fighter of all time, and that's it. Everybody's legacy is complicated. There's always something we talked about: Kobe Bryant and his legacy as a player in this, and then there's sexual assault allegations. That's part of his legacy. Nobody's just one thing ever. Okay, so the issue with Cowboy is everything Joe said is true about most head kick knockouts, statistically all the things he's done. There is that flip side where there are fights, Rafael Dos Anjos, Nate Diaz, uh, Darren Till a bit, this one against uh, Conor McGregor, where he kind of has this deer in headlights where he, he doesn't get going. It's usually against guys who start quickly. He can be a slow starter. And that's the flip side of his legacy. And one thing I will disagree with Joe about is one doesn't negate the other, right? He's a badass. He's a legend. All of that is true. But saying he underperformed in a particular fight is still very, very valid. What I disagree with is the implication that Cowboy quit. I think he underperformed. I think he once again had trouble starting quickly. He had trouble getting his offense going, which has been an issue in his career. That can be the other side of it. So... I don't agree that all the great things he's done means he shouldn't have this criticism about his inability to start in certain fights. They, they, they just happen to go hand in hand. They do. They do. He can have both. And it's one of those things where he has both. I, this is something I really feel about Stephen A. Smith. Joe Rogan kind of hits it right on the head about this kind of not being his area of expertise. Clip number four. Let's go. 
I think the problem is Stephen A. Smith, who's a very entertaining guy and is very knowledgeable about other sports, this is not his wheelhouse. And also that style of dismissing athletes and putting people down. Like, that's, that's how he kind of made yeah, his, his that's, name. That's how he made yeah. his name. And it's fun to listen to. He's, he's a fun guy to listen to. Yeah. He talks great Yeah, I happen to agree with that. I really do happen to agree with that. In that I, I just, you know, you can be knowledgeable about a lot of stuff and not know anything about MMA. And I think that's Stephen A's problem is he's used to being knowledgeable about a wide variety of sports. I do like listening to the guy. He's an excellent debater, very, very articulate. I appreciate his opinions about a lot of sports, but not MMA. I just don't. I, the things I've heard him say, I've never heard, and, and Mike, please, once again, my sounding board, my guy, my wall that I bounce a tennis ball off of. Am I wrong in saying, in your opinion, right, that Stephen A. Smith has never, to me, in anything I've heard, displayed a level of knowledge above a reasonably educated fan. Do you think I'm wrong in that one? 100% correct. You know, it's, it's not that he's bad, right? It's not that he says things that are just patently untrue. Uh, the things I've seen, and I don't watch Undisputed regularly, it seems like it's always on when I'm, on the, when I'm in the gym for some reason. They always have Undisputed on when I'm working out. Uh, that's the only time I really catch it, and they have it, like, subtitled, so when I'm, like, working out, I can watch it. Uh... They're terrible. Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless have said things that are just stupid about MMA. Like, they just don't know. Right? It's like if you had me host a show about rugby, and I just don't know anything about rugby, and I'm trying to make it up, and I have a fact sheet in front of me with stats that are meaningless to me. That's how it feels like they are. I've never gotten that from Stephen A. Smith, right? He's just, like, fumbling around in the dark and doesn't know what's going on. I've seen that a lot from mainstream journalism, but not from Stephen A. Smith. But... I've never also, I've never heard something where I was like, man, that's insightful. Oh, man, he really understands the game. No, I, I've never, I've, he sounds like a reasonably well-educated fan. And not even like a fanatic. Like the people listening to the sound of my voice, if you're listening to Fight Nation on Sirius XM, you're probably a, a, a passionate fan. I don't think Stephen A. Smith has the education of the people listening to me. And that's not an insult to Stephen A. Smith. I, I think... Our audience is passionate MMA fans who really, you know, could tell you all the background, all that stuff, and watching for a lot of years. I just don't know if Stephen A. Smith is that guy. Maybe he is, but I've never heard anything from him that's made me go, okay, that's smart. Like, wow, this guy really, you know, he's just, eh. he knows who's fighting right now. He knows their last few fights, and okay, but no reason why you should be up there on a desk telling people about it from a position of authority. Uh, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that Stephen A. Smith doesn't have the right to his opinion. He certainly does. I just think his his choice of narrative when he doesn't have any background in sport and I don't think any particular expertise, that's what gets me about the whole thing. Excellent broadcaster. I don't know if I'd call him a journalist, but certainly an excellent broadcaster. I like his work. But does he know enough about MMA to say this guy quit? Because just in combat sports, it, that's a bigger deal. That's a bigger deal. Now, the article I'm looking at is from Fox Sports. He was on Ariel Hawani. He spoke on the issue. These are some quotes from him. I just thought to disagree with me would be one thing, but to act like I didn't even belong at the event because I have an opinion, the difference from yours, I thought that was a bit extreme and unfair. Once again, I think his issue is not that they disagree, but that he's making character attacks, essentially, on Cowboy. 
Smith added, I don't think Conor McGregor asked me to apologize because of what I said. I think Conor McGregor asked me to apologize because of how Joe Rogan reacted to it. Because like Joe Rogan, Conor McGregor was protecting the sport. What they need to come to the realization of is this. I am not you guys. I don't pretend to the aficionados. I don't know if it's a typo. uh, I don't pretend to be, I imagine, the aficionados that you guys are. I'm new to this. I'm not pretending to be some MMA aficionado. But I do know fighting. I do know what I'm watching. And I'm entitled, based on my 25 years in this business, to espouse a point of view based on what I saw. I'm not going to apologize one bit. I think they're protecting the sport. But I've got news for them. I protect the sport, too, because I love it. And I've been blessed and fortunate that when I'm part of something, people usually watch. And I contribute in a positive way to uplift the sport. That's a, a, a common theme I've been reading is, boy, a lot of people watch Stephen A. Smith, so it's good for the sport. I think anybody who isn't an expert in the sport up there talking about the sport, giving opinions that involve someone's character is bad. I don't care if people are watching. I think it's the other way around. People are watching. So Stephen A. Smith is there. I didn't see him at shows in the early days. I never saw him at a local event in California. Right? He's there because it's big. It's not big because he's there. If it weren't already big, Stephen A. Smith wouldn't be there. So the idea that he's bringing eyes to it, the eyes are there. And so Stephen A. Smith is there. I think they're getting it backwards, in my opinion. And Stephen A. always does this. I'm not, I'm not an expert. Well, then why are you there? You're on a desk with people who've been in this sport for 20 years. I'm not an aficionado. Then, all right, then give that spot to somebody else. That's what gets me. And a lot of people, by the way, I have to say this, have equated my leaving the UFC with him being there, that I was somehow replaced by Stephen A. Smith. He's a representative of ESPN. He doesn't work for the UFC. I worked for the UFC, not ESPN. He works for the network partner. It's a different thing. He doesn't do commentary. He came from the other side. So it's, it's, it's not the same thing. My point is, if you're up there at the desk in a position of authority, you should have authority. You should be an aficionado. You should have expertise. And I haven't seen that from Stephen A. Smith. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash Luke Thomas. To see offer details and to subscribe, you can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash Luke Thomas. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Ronda Rousey, every day people tell me to fight again, but it's no longer a priority in my life. Right? Um... Here's a quote from her. There's not a day that goes by that people aren't telling me to fight, Ronnie said on her YouTube channel. I have to try and think of it as, would I rather be the greatest of all time or have everybody think I'm... I'd rather be the greatest of all time or have everybody think I'm the greatest of all time. It used to be so important to me to have both, but now it's got to the point where I don't want to sacrifice myself and my family to prove that anymore to a bunch of people who don't give an S about me. I know, and the people who love me know. It's no longer a priority in my life. All the people that tell you, come on, fight again, do this again. They would never do that for me. That is so incredibly true. Um, 
in that, you know, a lot of people tell you to do stuff. They're not there for you when it goes wrong. Trust me. Uh, it's hard when everyone around you, the value they have for you is how you fight. And how they see you is how you fight. And the only thing they have to offer is how you fight. That they think you have to offer is how you fight. Rousey explained, it was actually my husband that taught me I'm so much more than a fighter. I don't have to fight myself into the ground to prove that I'm the greatest of all time when I already know that I am. That's something I really had to deal with stepping away from the UFC was finding my identity without it because I got lost in it. It's tough because you're with these people and you're like, oh my God, I have to live this journey with you. This is amazing. And then you see some of these Bellator fights and you're like, oh my God, this person's still going. I can't watch it. It makes me sad. Little dig at Bellator there. Um, I think that's a very healthy attitude to have. I do. I said a million times, fighting's a terrible hobby. It's a terrible hobby. Either you are 1,000% committed to it, or it's, it's terrible for you. Can't do it part-time. It's, it's 24 hours a day. I remember this guy, uh, a fan, kind of you know, walked up to Colby Covington during some media thing, was like, hey, man, I want to be a fighter. What would you tell me? And Colby kind of dropped the act for a minute and gave a really real response. And he said, dude, it's a 24-hour-a-day. Seven-day-a-week job. Can't do it part-time. It's about diet and commitment and dedication and constantly training and constantly working and constantly improving. And when you're not in that, it's, it's over. And that's a very mature statement from Ronda Rousey. It's not in me like it used to be. It's not in there. And defining yourself by what you do for a living, that is across the board everywhere. Now, imagine being a world-famous representative of what you do for a living. Where people see you and that's all they think. And then not doing it anymore. That's a tough thing. What are you when you're not that person? That's what you spend all day doing. Got to find a new identity. And it breaks down a lot of athletes. Not just combat sports athletes. Not just mixed martial artists. Athletes, period. Period. And I think a lot of people, because of the way she left the sport, you know, want to see her come back and do something. I am not among them. I do not. I'm not a big fan of comebacks. The way I see it, personally, is when fighters come back, you're saying, I'm going to get further than I was in my prime. If you aren't going to get further than you did in your prime, what are you going to do in this second act? Right? Are you going to get that far again? Well, you already got there. What are you coming back for? What are you going to show? What are you going to prove? I'm just not usually a big fan of comebacks in any capacity. Ronda Rousey right now, uh, Nunes destroyed her. She's still champ at 135. I don't think that fight ends any differently. It might be even worse now. I think Nunes has gotten better. Um, I don't think there's anywhere for her to go. I don't think there's room for her at 135 or 145 in the UFC. She couldn't get away with fighting people underneath the man in Nunes, make some money, and then get out. That wouldn't make any sense. What is she going to show now that she couldn't show before? But she went out on two bad knockout losses. And the one story we never got from her was the, the comeback. We never got that from her. We never got the rising up and overcoming. We never got Ali Foreman. We never got, or, you know, any comeback at all. 
We kind of want that story a lot as fight fans. You're knocked down, you get back up again. GSP, biggest upset in MMA history against Matt Serra. Comes back, wins the title, looks even better. We seem to want that story, and we never got it from Ronda Rousey. The one way I always say it about the end of her career, when she lost a round, the first time she ever lost a round, she never won a round again. She never won around again. She never came back and showed anything better. Now, she's not required to, in my opinion, but it seems like a story and an ending people want. The Luke Thomas Show is your one-stop destination for MMA. If you're in a UFC title fight and you get finished in the first round, yo, you lost. Sports. I cheer for loser teams. As well as pop culture and entertainment. No matter what Star Wars comes out, I'll just find a way to like it. No. The Luke Thomas Show, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. On your home for combat sports. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 and the Sirius XM app. Now included free for most subscribers. He directed the Michael Vick 30 for 30. Man, what a fascinating story. We have him now, Stanley Nelson, director of the Michael Vick 30 for 30. Thank you so much for joining us, Stanley. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I have so many questions just as a fan, you know, lifelong football fan. Um, but I know about the Michael Vick story, what a regular fan knows. I mean, I don't have any particular insight. Um, what surprised you as a filmmaker when you went in to direct this? What did you learn that kind of surprised you about the whole situation? Well, I mean, I, I think it's such a complicated story, the ins and the outs of the story. I think one of the things that's really surprising in the film is that, you know, Mike is is, is perfectly honest about it and and credible in the in his honesty you know but also uh two two of the guys who went to jail with him and, and were part of bad news kennels which was uh you know their uh dog fighting operation are in the film and talk really for the first time and 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 they're um very surprising you know yeah i won't say more you gotta see the film but you know they're surprising in in their remorse and and sometimes their lack of remorse what drew you to this project? Was it something you were passionate about? Did you have any particular connection to any of the subjects? Why you? Why were you telling the story? Well, I've made a number of, of historical documentaries, and this, uh, especially about the African-American experience. Um, and, you know, I was talking to uh, ESPN about possible projects, and we came up with the idea of Michael Vick, and I just jumped on it because, you know, it's so much more than a sports story. I mean, it's a great a great sports story, but there's so much more, you know, you know, in it. Um, you know, there, there's the uh, whole idea of the criminal justice system and, and the way, you know, different people view it, uh, the idea of dogs, how we look at dogs, uh, the idea of race uh, and football and, and, and so many other things um, that made the, the story much more complicated than just a, a, a simple sports story. I mean, as a sports story, it's great, but there's so much more to it, too. Were you surprised, and I was personally surprised, the redemption angle of Michael Vick in real life about him coming back into the league and how much time he had to spend off? Is it mm-hmm. surprising to you, as I said before you came on air, uh, who gets a pass and who doesn't and what fans will forgive and what they won't? As a fan, as a filmmaker, is that something you found interesting uh, when uh, filming the story? Yeah, I mean, I, I found it surprising. I mean, in, 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 in some ways, as you, I knew what, what the general 
fan knew. I knew that, you know, Mike had made a comeback and, you know, apologized. I, I was surprised at, you know, how sincere he is and how sincere he has been and the lengths that he has, has continually gone and still goes to um, to uh, fight against animal cruelty, you know, um, after he, he kind of doesn't have to. And so I, I was really surprised at his sincerity, but I was also surprised and still am surprised at at uh, at the level of vitriol that some people have the the unforgiving uh this for some people who who will never uh you know forgive michael vick and, and um in some ways i i find that continually to 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 kind of be surprising we're talking to stanley nelson who's director of the michael vick 30 for 30 it's on tonight on espn um at 9 p.m. eastern now when you came into this as a as a a, a a director who had covered the African American experience, but the connection to football, how much was this a learning experience about the game and his rise and what he did on the field? How much of that was that? It was a, more of a human story to you. It was both. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a sports fan, a football fan, you know. So, so I mean, I I know you know a little bit about football. I'm you know, um, yeah, I'm no coach, but I I know I know some, some, a little <laughs> bit about football. So you know, it wasn't like I, I I had to learn learn the rules of football. Um, but you know, I I mean, it's it's also you know continually thrilling to to see Mike Vick play, you know, and and be reminded. Uh, of, of of what of, of what Mike Vick uh, you know brought to the game as a football player. I think that's you know um, for so so many of us who were, who were uh, football fans or our football fans, you know Mike Mike Vick you know was something special, you know uh, when he came into the league. Um, but you know I, I think that that it's important that that the film you know is kind of warts and all. I mean you know we we don't shy away from 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 the dog fighting. The film is in is in two parts. So the first part is tonight and then the next part is next next Thursday. Um and, and you know, he we asked him everything we wanted and he answered. There was not, not anything that, that he refused to answer. In your position, are you used to people trying to tell their own story at the expense of the truth, meaning lying to you to get the right story out there. And do you feel your experience dealing with people like that? You're qualified to say that he's really remorseful and you feel he he really does regret what he did. Talk about that, your experience, and then you're used to being lied to a lot. You know, do, do you feel that you're good at deciding or interpreting when somebody is really genuinely sorry? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's part of part of the job as, as film director. I mean, you know, in, in a way, you know, you, you want somebody to, to, to lie so you can bring it bring it out. But I think one of the things, you know, with Mike and, and people, you know, sometimes ask, you know, so so why, you know, do people keep forgiving him? You know, why did Roger Goodell forgive him? Why did Tony Dungy forgive him? Why did Andy Reid forgive him? You know, because you I can, you know, you see that he's that he is he is really sorry for what for what he did you know and 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 nobody nobody doubts that i I never heard somebody come away and say you know oh, you know that's no 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 you know that he's just lying i mean i think that that on the other hand there are people who who still say it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter if he's sorry now you know there's no way i can forgive him these you know for what what he did to dogs i can never f- forgive that there are other people who on the other side say well you know those are dogs and 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 you know there there should be a chance for redemption. The man went to prison 
for 23 months. He was sentenced to 23 months in Leavenworth. He he had to claim bankruptcy. So at some point, you know, um, we're feeling like, you know, let's tell his story. And, and let's let's tell the story and look at the story, and then you choose. You know, if if you still say, you know, this is a despicable, and I, you know, and and I'll never forgive him, then you know that that's your your choice. If you have a different opinion, then that also is your choice. I'm going to ask you a slightly personal question. I know we just spoke for the first time. Do you have a dog? Do I have a have a thought about about Mike? No, no, no. Do you have a dog? Oh no no no! I I a oh, dog no 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 I I don't have a dog I, I I live in New York City you know in in the city and I I mean I one of the things I look forward to you know later in life when I retire is to have a dog because I, I want to I I think uh, a dog belongs you know in, in the country I, for for me you know it would be having a dog that was locked up in the house all day. I'd be home, you know, and, and walk the dog for a half hour or something and lock him back up. So I, I, I think in some ways that's not the way I want, I want to, to, to have an animal, uh, you know, a pet, but you know, I, I, one of the things I, I really look forward to is, is having a dog. You know, it's one of those things. And the reason I ask is, uh, as you said, a lot of people would say, ah, oh, it's just a dog or whatever it is. If you're a dog person, I grew up in the country. I grew up with dogs my entire life. I have two of them sitting here right now. Um, it does change how you view his crime. It changes how you view what he did. If you consider dogs a member of your family, um, it, it totally changes your perspective on that. Uh, if you didn't grow up a dog person, did that point of view surprise you? Did you have a, an opinion going in about the severity of the crime? I have to ask about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I am surprised in, in some ways, and, and the right word is not is not surprised. But you know, I, you know, I myself um, feel that that there is, is such a thing as redemption, um, and 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 that and that 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 is a possibility. You know, I, I think also it it. it in, in some ways, what we try to, to talk about in the film that it that it breaks down in, in in certain ways, and and it's not about whether you love dogs or not. So that when Michael Vick, you know, is is convicted and, and gets you know twenty three month sentence, you know, there was a large part of, of mainly the African American community that that just you know thought it was in in an insane uh, sentence and, and way too harsh. And I think that's because, you know, African-Americans many times looked at it as a criminal justice issue. They looked at it as a, through a different lens. They looked at it as, you know, uh, hundreds of years of, of, of black people and black men, especially being uh, mistreated by the criminal justice system. And here it goes again. You know, um, we even have a guy, the, the, the head of, I think it's PETA at the time, you know, um, saying that, that uh, you know, that it would have been looked at very differently probably by many people if it had been Peyton Manning. So, you know, there, there's also race that, that, that is part of, of this story and something that, that we don't shy away from and, and confront, you know, head on in the film. I'm talking to Stanley Nelson, director of Vic, documentary 30 for 30, airs tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Talking to our listeners, if there's one thing you want them to take away from the film, I know it's in two parts, what would you like that to be, man? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of don't look at the film in, in that way. I, you know, I think that, that, that we, we lay out a story, a, a very complicated story, and then you take away from it, from it what, what you want. I, I hope, I think it's, um, you know, all, all the way through, it's an entertaining story. It's a story that in some way will make some people mad, some, some people happy. You know, um, it's, not an, it's not an easy story. But I, but I, I think it, it's, you know, I, I, I think that, that for people who are, who are dog lovers and think that Mike Vick, you know, is, is horrible and never be, be forgiven, I, I don't think that that means that his story should not be told. Right. I think that 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 whatever you feel, this is a story that that that's worth telling. And, and I hope people come away with it saying, well, that was that was a story that was well told. Very much appreciate you, Stanley. Thank you so much for joining us. Catch Vic tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.